Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. I'm your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting into the Mavericks' clutch time victory. Their one millionth clutch time victory of the season, 103-101 to 101 over the Kawhi leonard list Los Angeles Clippers. He's played only all of two games this year, but nonetheless, the Mavericks were able to pull it out. The Bang Bros finally coming into fruition in this game, at least on the three side of things. Dorian Finney-Smith, 7 of 13, regular season career high in terms of three-pointers made. Reggie Bullock, he was cold for most of the game, but he came in and he finished with four threes, I believe all of which were in the fourth quarter. And, you know, obviously another 35-point almost, well, not almost triple-double, but 35-point double-double by Luca. Spencer Dinwiddie had a good one in this game. We'll be divulging all into it. But before we do that, here is an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, Jaren, so getting into it, the Mavericks start this game off in the first quarter with a 15-point lead after the first quarter. They effectively basically just shot the Clippers at the gym. Dorian Finney-Smith, I think, hit two or three threes in that first quarter. Spencer Dinwiddie just hit two or three step backs within that first quarter. Um, The Clippers just seemed disengaged in terms of coming out to play this game. And it seems like the Mavericks had their number. You know, the Clippers were on a second night of a back-to-back. I mean, talent-wise and depth-wise, you could argue they're vastly superior to this Mavericks team, even without Kawhi Leonard. But the Mavericks were able to kind of just run the floor on them in that first quarter. What were your main takeaways from that first quarter? Yeah, from the first quarter, you know, the Mavericks shot the ball really, really well. Uh, Spencer came out, uh, seemingly didn't miss a single shot up until – as the game kind of dwindled on. Uh, and then Dorian was hitting his shots, like I said. And Luca, you know, he's driving into the paint with ease. Offensively, like, the team looked amazing. Uh, they weren't missing their shots. They're getting wherever they wanted to be with ease. And I know Jeff Skin Wade said this, like, a million times on the broadcast, but the Mavericks seemingly should have been up by more than 15 points. And I know they got up to 25 at one point in the second quarter. Uh, but this game, I think, should have been almost close to 35-point uh, point differential at one point. Um, but seemingly like the, the Clippers are just disengaged, as you mentioned, you know, the Clippers second night of a back-to-back playing Houston the first night, uh, who we play again tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Clippers just seemingly look disengaged and the Mavericks are just pretty much getting whatever they wanted. Yeah. I mean, there were multiple possessions where the Clippers lead ball handler, whether it be John Wall or Paul George, would just simply dribble up the court and lose the ball. And it would lead to easy transition opportunities for the Mavericks. I thought when Christian Wood checked in in that first quarter, he was able to take advantage of mismatches accordingly. One play that I distinctly liked was when Josh Green set a down screen for Christian Wood off a side out of bounds play, and he came off a curl off. And then he just had um, – it was one of the Clippers' wings. I want to say it was like Rocco or maybe Batum or something like that. But he was able to just get an easy seal in the paint and, you know, flip up a little right-handed post hook and the Mavericks were, you know, in those non-Luka minutes in that first half, they were able to find Christian Wood in his spots to where he could, you know, 
take advantage by shooting over these smaller guys, whether it just be a face-up jump shot or him sealing off a defender in the low post. Um, so that I thought was some really productive offense. Of course, Luca, um, I thought the Clippers definitely deferred in that first half. They basically said, hey, we're going to take away your passing lanes. We're going to stick a guy one-on-one. We're not going to trap you at all. And, you know, we're going to make you beat us. You're going to have to score 40 to 55 to come away with this game. But Luca took full advantage of that. He was getting to the rim at will in this game. Once again, went 11 for 11 on his free throws in this game. So many times, I mean, whether it be Paul George, Batum, Marcus Morris, um, Zubach, of course, when he got switched on to him, of course, they have their history together. Luca just take, took full advantage of those matchups, used his body, um, his ball handling ability so well, as he always does, to get to those just obscure angles where only he can adjust his body to hit the shot accordingly within the paint. And he did this at nauseum essentially all night. Of course, he had to adjust accordingly in the second half when he started facing more doubles. But what did you think of the way he was able to take it to the Clippers in the first half? No, yeah, you know, he seemingly got to the paint at will. I like what you mentioned, you know, it just kind of seemed like the Clippers were sticking him one-on-one pretty much like, you know, you're going to beat us tonight. We're going to eliminate everybody else. Uh, And Lucas still found a way to get the ball to those other guys. You know, Dinwiddie found a way to get it going early. Uh, of course, Dorian found a way. And then, you know, Christian Wood, as he, as the game progressed, he started playing really good in that first half. Um, but yeah, I mean, like whether it was driving on these guys that you mentioned, uh, it, Luca just seemingly got it done, uh, you know, going 11 for 11 on the, uh, free throw line. I want to say this may, might be, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like this is his first like hundred percent free throw shooting night, um, possibly this season. Uh, but with that amount of attempts, with that amount of attempts, 10 plus attempts, I'd probably have to say so. Yeah. Yeah. At the top of my head. And, uh, you know, the Clippers throughout the game, they played a lot of wing guard type players. And I think it was kind of to counter this sort of Luca esque offense. Uh, I want to say the Clippers at one, or like, I think they had 11 of their 12 (laughs) guys out maybe, um, or 12. I'm, I'm not sure how many, I think it was 11. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they had a deep rotation tonight, and still uh, it, it didn't seem like anybody up until really that second half could guard Luca. No, I completely concur with you. And before we get any farther within this podcast and we take more analytical deep dives into sort of how everybody on the Mavericks played tonight and, you know, how they were able to counter some certain things from the Clippers, I want to fast forward here to the fourth quarter um, and just take a look at sort of the um, – how the events played out sequentially within those that last minute or two. So with one minute and <clears throat> six seconds left, um, Paul George gets to the rim um, with after a Batum rebound, and he's able to get a driving layup that cuts the lead from uh, 98 to 99. The Mavericks had – or it was at 96 to 99, and it then it was 98 to 99. The Mavericks had a 25-point lead in that first, first half yeah. um, and it seemingly went away throughout the whole fourth, third and fourth quarter. I called it at 23 seconds into the third quarter. I said, this gives, this game is already giving me um, major Mavs are going to give the lead away energy. And of course it happened. Um, <clears throat> so then, um, you know, after that, the Mavericks are, basically milking the shot clock at this point after that Paul George layup to cut the lead to one. 
and Reggie Bullock kind of, <clears throat> you know, receives the ball as he's on the run, and he just throws it at the left wing, making like a completely like errant pass. I don't know exactly the process that was going on there. You know, all power to Reggie. He had a really good finish to the game, especially shooting, and he really came back into his own in that aspect. So that was huge. But he just basically throws a bounce pass, and it kind of like ricochets off of. Uh, it, it was going towards Dinwiddie, correct? No, it yeah, was, yeah, and then <clears throat> like ricochets off him, and then it lands in Luca's hands, and you know you could tell it's like a look what I found, look what I found type of possession, and there's like no time on the shot clock. Luca just chucks it up from that coveted left wing that he loves and just sinks it like <laughs> for his 35th points of the night. And that gives the Mavericks a four point lead with 27.8 seconds left. Um, and then after that, they allow another Paul George um, <clears throat> layup with 18.1 seconds. Very quickly after that three point eve. Yes. Then the Clippers, neglect to foul the Mavericks after Paul George makes that layup for about almost, you know, a little over 10 seconds. They finally are able to foul Reggie Bullock. Bullock. They kind of just let the Mavericks dribble the clock out for a large margin of that. Reggie Bullock makes the first free throw, misses the second. Batum is able to secure the rebound. Clippers take a timeout. Um, Then after that, the Mavericks, you know, with the Clippers being down three at this point, the Mavericks lead is 103 to 100. The Mavericks take the, take a foul since the Clippers were in the bonus to, you know, make them shoot free throws versus them getting a three-pointer up. And Batum makes the first free throw. He intentionally misses the second, and he does so at an angle where Robert Covington came, comes from the weak side wing and is able to have a great chance to get an easy putback, and he completely just misses the ball. Now, for those of you guys that – may not remember jaron actually brought this point up to me which is a great point if you remember in the 2020 bubble um actually right before the playoffs started where the mavericks played the clippers in the playoffs there was a game right before those playoffs where robert covington i think it was either in overtime or the fourth quarter but nonetheless he was able to essentially win the game on one of these tip-ins or at least tie it he, he tied it he tied pushed the overtime and then the the rockets yeah. ended up just blowing out the mavericks yeah overtime on an eerily similar similar play. And this was, of course, with the Rockets. So this is a guy who has a knack in terms of being able to get rebounds off of free throws. And the Mavericks, they definitely whiffed on that. So they got lucky he wasn't able to tie the game up because he had an easy layup, but he completely just missed the ball. And um, then the Mavericks were able to – they took a timeout, advanced courts, and um, – Tim Hardaway was yeah, able to dribble the yeah, ball. Yeah, Tim Hardaway dribbled the ball out. Um, so I kind of just wanted to get your thoughts in terms of that last – sequence for the Mavericks within that fourth quarter, in my opinion, I don't necessarily think that it was indicative of them by any stretch of the imagination fixing their clutch time woes. This definitely still seemed very shaky, but they had some luck involved in terms of that Luca shot and some other things that went their way. And luckily they came away with the victory, but do you feel like the process was necessarily there? Like this was a definitive, like, Oh, the Mavericks took this game over at the end of the game. No, I mean, I, I don't I think the Mavericks are kind of holding their breath really throughout the whole entire fourth quarter. Um, but with that being said, you know, the Mavericks went out with a game plan, I feel like, for those final minute and a half. Uh, and it seemed like they got it done. Uh, 
I'm not saying it was pretty or anything, but the Mavericks, they were up by four with one point or uh, four at one point with 27 seconds left or 28 seconds left, I should say. Um, and, you know, the one thing that the Mavericks, I, I think this season is really indicative of like their defensive woes in, in, in this fourth quarter was just how quickly uh, Paul George was able to get to the basket. Um, he got down the court and scored a two within nine seconds of Luca heaving up a three-pointer. Now, granted, they called a timeout to advance the ball, I believe. Um, they may not have, actually. Um, but either way – I know, yeah, they did, they did. Uh, I, I, okay, sorry. Anyways, um, it, it's just, you know, like nine seconds, you know, from a, a three-point heave to a Paul George two that cuts it to uh, three points – or cuts it to two points, actually – uh, I mean, there's just, like, really some struggles defensively on this team, especially in these, like, late-quarter situations where it, it it seemingly should just be, you know, get a guy in front of him, double him up, if anything, and force somebody else to make it. Because it's Paul George at the end of the day. Like, this is their leader. And granted, he only scored 21 points this game. Um, but either way, like, you, you can't rely on Paul George missing a, a layup, for that matter. Yeah. I thought the Mavericks did a really good job of – trying to throw some different things at Paul George in terms of some late traps and late doubles. And I thought they rotated over on him really well um, and kind of really throughout the first three quarters of the game. But it seems like they kind of, to an extent, just went away from that that fourth quarter. And that I don't know if they just had an increased confidence in him having a down game or something like that, where they kind of just defer and they were like, all right, man, like, you know, Dorian's playing a really good game defensively. Um, let's see if you can go to work on us, but the Clippers were hunting, um, you know, guys besides Dorian because they didn't want Dorian playing on Paul George. Dorian played a hell of a game in terms of his individual defense on Paul George. I mean, I think honestly, this is the most I've seen him just stick one guy consistently throughout a game this whole season. He played amazing on Paul George, but Reggie Bulk on the other hand, when he was switched on to him, Tim Hardaway Jr., these guys were getting beat off of, you know, if these guys are getting beat consistently off of single dribble moves by, you know, regular like one dimensional three and D wing players like Royce O'Neal, then of course, Paul George is going to be able to get to the rim at will in them. I mean, Reggie provided almost no defensive resistance to an extent at times in this game. Now I think Reggie has done a good job playing within our scheme this year. I thought he's, done a pretty good job jumping passing lanes and being active as an off-ball defender. And especially with some of these quicker guards, I thought he stayed with them really well. But as, ever since his shooting took a turn for the worse, there have been spurts where against these, you know, wings that he just really puts up no resistance. So I guess I wanted you to talk about a little about Reggie's game and how essential him making four threes within that fourth quarter was because this game is completely different if he doesn't step up within those moments. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you said it right on the head. Like th this game is going to be completely different if Reggie doesn't hit four of his eight threes uh, in the fourth quarter. <clears throat> but, you know, Reggie, I feel like he really came alive on the defensive side of thing within that fourth quarter. Uh, and it kind of seems like anytime Reggie has some sort of motion going on defense, and I think you can say this for a lot of guys, uh, where they built build up like some motivation, some 
I guess, confidence on the defensive side, and it translated over to the offensive side. Reggie was open multiple times this game uh, before the fourth quarter where he just had an open corner three and would just seemingly miss it off the back iron or it would just brim out, whatever it may be. And it kind of seemed like as soon as Reggie kind of applied himself and I guess realized, like, you know, he's in this rotation and everything, like, and actually got some true fourth quarter minutes. The Mavericks kind of rode with him, uh, which was different. I don't think we've seen that before. Uh, at ever least since Josh Green started playing. Yeah, ever since Josh Green started playing, we haven't seen that. And so I think it was just a new profound, or like profound confidence within Reggie. And I, I really think that's why he hit four threes. Now, speaking to Josh Green, <clears throat> I, I really think he was sort of played out of this rotation. And it honestly kind of due to his like def- or offensive laps, you know, he just had zero well, I, productivity. Well, I don't know. I, I would counteract Within that. this game, within <clears throat> this game. I mean, he didn't really have much of an opportunity. He only shot the ball one time. He, you know, we've talked at, at length about Josh Green being more assertive, but I mean, Reggie wasn't having a good game up until the fourth quarter. I, I don't, I think Kid ended up kind of just writing with Reggie in this one from a standpoint of flipping a coin, essentially. Like neither one of those games, or neither one of those guys, for, for that matter, were really affecting the game offensively in a manner that swung the tide of this game whatsoever. I thought Josh Green was still doing positive things offensively, <clears throat> you know, running in transition when he could, um, being an active cutter, you know, making his typical passes. It just didn't really result in anything in terms of counting stats for him tonight. I don't necessarily think he played a bad game. I thought he played pretty good defense. Um, he's the only Maverick, in my opinion, that had the foot speed to be able to stay with John Wall. Reggie Jackson at times. Like, I don't think he played a terrible game by any means. He just didn't really get much opportunity in this one, just 14 minutes. And, I mean, he wasn't really providing anything offensively. I guess that I wasn't, like, terribly mad by the decision to go with Reggie over him in that fourth quarter. I understood it. You know, in other games, I feel like it's irrefutable to say Josh Green should have rode out, you know. But with that being said, Josh Green has played better these last five to ten games than Reggie has. And, that's, you know, a whole other topic of discussion we can get into in terms of who should be playing over who. I'm just happy to see Reggie have a game in which his shooting swung positively um, back to the mean where it was at. I think that that's the main takeaway that we have from this. Um, I'm sure Josh will get more minutes going forward. I'm sure he'll get some minutes tonight. I mean, Reggie was questionable going into this one with the, an X train, as was JaVale McGee. He had an X train. He actually did, did not play. So two guys with next trains along with Davis Berton's right knee effusion, missed this one for the Mavericks. And presumably Luca's not going to play tonight, especially given the post-game presser quotes that he had. Um, Tim McMahon asked him if he was going to play tomorrow, and he kind of smirked and said, we'll see. And then Jason Kidd essentially said in the post-game presser that it's a discussion that he's going to have with Luca right before the game starts, and Luca's going to tell him how he's feeling. So, I, I mean, all signs point towards, you know, especially with those comments Luca made after the Wizards game regarding him feeling tired and spent to an extent physically that he's probably going to sit this Rockets game out. So, <clears throat> you know, obviously that's an opportunity for Josh Green. I don't know about the status of the guys playing in the Legends, if they're – be able to go tonight if they are going to be able to get called up in time and how all that's working. But if any of them are on the Mavericks roster tonight in terms of Tyler Dorsey, McKinley Wright, and Jaden Hardy, 
we could easily see one of those three guys play versus the Rockets tonight. You know, so <clears throat> with all that being said, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't too pressed from the perspective. I think Josh Green will get some really good run in this Houston game. Um, but, you know, barring that, I was just really happy to see Reggie be able to make those threes confidently within the last part of the game. I mean, that was a huge moment for him. And, you know, I had that fake trade on Twitter earlier with the whole Grayson Allen thing, and a lot of fans came at me with regarding Reggie. And I predicted before the game started that he was going to prove me wrong and he was going to make eight threes. Now, he didn't make eight threes, but he made four threes, and they were all in a very timely manner. So, you know, defensively, he still looked – you know, I honestly thought this was probably his worst defensive game of the season, just in the way that he let <clears throat> anytime he was switched on to John Wall, he basically kind of just let him sink into a mid-range jumper at the elbow that was extremely uncontested. You know, I get deferring to him to an extent and kind of playing off of him, but I mean he just let him pull up. And especially with Paul George as well. So especially when the defense wasn't there tonight. I'm glad the three-point shooting was there because Mavericks wouldn't have won this game without. Um, now, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll segue to Dorian Finney-Smith off of Reggie, the other half of the Bang Bros. Seven for 13 on threes in this one. I mean, that was all of his points. He had 21 points in this game, three steals, played great individual defense on Paul George. This was the sort of sum of all parts Dorian Finney-Smith game that we haven't really got this season. This is why the Mavericks gave him that contract extension. You know, this is why he is a staple in this rotation for at least a few more years, um, barring he is traded for any reason, which I don't foresee. So, I mean, I guess, you know, a sort of interesting angle I'd like to go off of on this one. What do you think separates Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock in terms of their importance to this team? Because I think a lot of Mavericks fans – they're like, oh, Reggie's just as good as Dorian. Like, why are you including him in these trades? Like, what for you is – what does Dorian have that Reggie doesn't to an extent? What did, what, what did you take away from his game in this one? Yeah, no, you know, Reggie and Dorian, for that matter, they offered both a sense of three-point shooting and defense. Uh, you know, I think that this was both kind of a coming-out game in a sense for both these guys, Reggie finally pulling out on the offensive side and Dorian finally having a full, complete game. Um you know, I think some things that Reggie, or I guess that Dorian has to offer more than Reggie does is Dorian just offers more of a sense of, and this is a stretch too, just more of, I guess, a ball handler stretch or sense, I guess. Um, you know, Dorian, whenever the ball is in his hands, you don't feel, I guess, as nervous as whenever Reggie's in his hands. I know you'd mentioned this earlier. There was a possession there in the fourth quarter, uh, the, the last position where uh, Luca had just pretty much heave up a three. Um, Reggie, seemingly didn't know where to pass the ball so he just threw it uh thankfully it got its way to Luca's hands but you know just in times like that like I would rather trust Dorian more in the sense like that uh and so just in a playmaking sense I think Dorian has more to offer than Reggie um and defensively you know Dorian is regarded I think as more of the wing defender and Reggie more of the point guard shooting guard defender um uh, you can make arguments about that now with the emergence of Josh Green uh, but just defensively, like, you know, I think Dorian is more in a sense feisty, you know, I think it shows in this game on the stat board and the sense of steals, you know, Dorian granted the team, or I guess the Clippers, like they had some meaningless turnovers, uh, in that first half where the Mavericks built up, I, I want to say they had like seven steals in that first half or somewhere around there. Uh, and it was, most of them were basically all off of stupid Clipper turnovers. 
but Dwayne, you know, he has a sense of just finding the ball whenever it's on the ground. And that's one thing that I think Reggie doesn't really do a whole lot of come, I guess, in the regular season, I should say. Yeah, I think Dorian's hustle is a lot more prevalent, his ability to go in and fight for offensive rebounds. And I, I do think, like, if you're looking at his game in a holistic sense, he's probably a slightly better defender. And I think that's really what separates them, right? Um, I think Reggie is probably a better three-point shooter for sure when he is going. But I think consistently Dorian is able to – bear a little bit more of that load, you know, on a consistent basis in terms of being able to, you know, you have confidence when he's taking that shot. Right. And Dorian's earned the confidence to an extent from Mavericks fans, from this coaching staff, from years of development within the system. You know, I love Reggie, but at the end of the day, you know, he's only in his second year here. So I do think that, you know, there is credence to the fact that Dorian is a lot more important than him. That, that's not to negate Reggie's importance by any means, but, you know, for those on Twitter, I guess, and that are trying to make the comparison between the two, that they're essentially the same player. I mean, I, I just can't necessarily agree with that. I know it's a very select few, but I just thought that that was a very provocative discussion topic to go over and it related to how Dor- how just how sheer of an impact Dorian had in this game. <clears throat> um, so I guess, you know, let's look at Spencer Dinwiddie in terms of how he played tonight. He went six for 15 from the field, 16 points. He, he kind of wasn't as assertive on offense, you know, really quarters two through three, but I mean, he made a few threes in that first quarter. And then in the fourth quarter in those non-Luka minutes where the Mavericks basically had no sort of catalyst on offense, then, you know, Christian Wood was starting to really get hampered by the Clippers wings. They were able to guard up on him versus that, times in the first half where he was really able to take advantage of those mismatches. Spencer Dinwiddie started going to work. And I mean, he was getting to the basket at will had like two and ones in a row. Talk about how good he's played this season. Cause I tweeted last night that he, I thought he was, he's been the definitive second best player on this team to start the year. And, you know, even in some of these games, like I've said quite a bit that Spencer Dinwiddie by no means is going to be an elite playmaker or like the distinguished secondary playmaker right next to Luca, but he's getting like five or six assists in a lot of these games. And, you know, sure. He still has his lapses in terms of being able to throw some passes, but he has like not terrible in terms of his ability to at least make the right read, even if he's not as talented a passer as some of these guys. And I think, you know, his ability to play making the pick and roll has looked a bit, a little bit better. Now he's got a little more comfortable throughout these last few games. Uh, what were your thoughts on his game last night? Um, just in terms of a few talking points regarding him, his continued really good three-point shooting. Um, I know he only went two of eight last night, but, you know, those the process still has looked pretty good for him. I think, you know, barring a bad shooting night last night from three, um, he's looked really good in terms of being able to jump passing lanes off ball. What And, I mean, he's been getting to the rim, I think, honestly, a lot better this year than he has last year. So what have you seen out of him that's, you know, really gave you confidence in his ability to continue to be in the starting lineup and flourish as the, you know, not, I'm saying this, you know, prefacing that the Mavericks obviously could get somebody better at some point, but be the second uh, guy next to Luca. Yeah, no, I, I think if you ask anyone on the street who the Mavericks second best player is, uh, 
it, it might go unnoticed. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie sort of an under the radar kind of guy on this team right now. Because, again, I feel like he gets more hate than he does love. Uh, he's shooting the ball at an enormous clip from the three-point range. He had a little bit of an off night tonight, or I guess last night, I should say. Um, but to me, this was the first game where his uh, shooting necessarily wasn't the best from the three-point line, and he was able to make a huge impact in the game. Uh, I know he had three and ones at one point, and I had texted Will, I think it was during the second or third one, where it was a one-man show at one point whenever Luke was off the floor. Um, he really elevated into that sort of ball handler whenever Luca's not on the floor, that really main ball handler whenever Luca's not on the floor. He elevated into that role tonight. And I think that this is honestly one of the better performances that we've seen from him, even from a pretty horrible or not horrible, but a pretty bad shooting night. Um, and again, you know, like you said, you know, his, his picking the passing lanes, uh, he had two steals to throw to that. And he's, he's done that really well this season. I think that this is really indicative of the stat line is really indicative of what we've seen from him on the defensive side. You know, he's able to get these sort of steals where guys just sort of throw it up halfway or I guess from one three-point line to the next, and he's able to just sort of intercept it. Um, and, you know, to add to that assist, you know, Dinwiddie, he's not, I wouldn't say the best playmaker, of course. You know, you've made this argument multiple times. Uh, I think that you pretty much live and die by that argument. Um, but he, he's a really good facilitator in the sense that he knows where the open guy is just simply through one pass. Uh, and that was in the sense of Reggie Bullock tonight, Reggie Bullock and Dorian, I should say, because uh, he had multiple assists to their three pointers. Um, but yeah, you know, Spencer, I think, uh, again, you know, I go back to that question where if you ask someone on the street who the second, the Mavericks second best player is, I think that they still might revert to Christian Wonder, even Spencer Dinwiddie, but you know, Spencer Dinwiddie goes hesitated because he's sort of like this under the radar sort of, I don't want to say star, but he's a star on this team. And I, I don't think a lot of people notice how how good of a job he's done because at the end of the day, I think he's averaging like five and a half assists this season. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's played amazing to start the season. I hope this persists. You know, I still, especially in this game, especially in that third quarter, the Mavericks, it is still clear they're missing another ball handler. And, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is not the end-all be-all in terms of <clears> – <throat> you know, furbishing a finished product for the Mavericks that, you know, is just going to be this God squad of a regular season team. And it's going to continue in the playoffs. Like this team can easily face some persecution when they get to the playoffs from their lack of another ball handler. And even in points of the regular season, it might catch up to them when Spencer Luca is in a cold stretch, but he had a really good game last night and he's had a really good start to the season. So it's really optimistic to see, but, you know, two, things that I guess are going to be maybe under talked about, but could definitely be a compelling narrative going forward with the Mavericks kind of just lack of firepower off the bench last night. Dinwiddie and Luca played a combined 81 minutes last night. Dinwiddie played 41 minutes. Luca played 40 and, you know, out of your, your two lead ball handlers, that's a lot of energy and workload that they're expelling. So that's, something that is going to be interesting to monitor going forward. And I think will be a intriguing discussion topic as we proceed, but you know, it is what it is. At least the Mavericks were able to pull this win out. Nonetheless, it was a really ugly win, but we take a win where we can at this point, especially, you know, just how diversified the NBA is in terms of the talent dispersion right now, um, you know, and the beginning of the regular season, 
being this sort of just cluster of you, to, you really don't know what's going to happen. Anybody can win or lose on any given night. The Mavericks improved to eight and five on the season. So these are all really good things. And at the end of the day, like you can't complain, right? So in terms of the Mavericks bench, we already, you know, mentioned, or no, we haven't mentioned actually yet that Christian Wood was the only person to score off the bench with 15 points. Maxi Kleber got off early in the game after he was attempting to get a rebound and he was, he had to go to the locker room and had a lower back contusion because he took a scary fall after going for a rebound. I doubt he plays against Houston, but a contusion by definition is, you know, merely just a really bad bruise or you just get hit really hard there. It doesn't seem like there's any structural or muscular damage there, which is good. Um, so I hope he'll be okay going forward, but it was a scary fall. Nonetheless, we hope he's okay. He only played 10 minutes, and I believe that happened in the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken. So luckily, Maxi <coughs> um, should be okay as we proceed. I don't know if he'll play against Houston, but we'll kind of just have to see how things pan out in terms of that. But just glad to see he's okay after how scary of a fall that was. Um, I guess we'll get to Christian Wood here in a second, but – Tim Hardaway Jr. in 22 minutes tonight went over seven from the field, over five from three. He had three assists. Oh, he actually did have three steals, but a lot of them came ver- via virtue of those, you know, Clippers kind of just dribbling off their foot. Like a lot of them weren't necessarily like just locked down defensive positions. I thought he played, you know, fairly poor defense throughout most stretches in this game. He had two turnovers, both of which came on advantageous fast break possessions for the Mavericks where they outnumbered the Clippers, whether it be a three on two or two on one. And Tim managed to screw those up. So I think that this was pretty definitive, definitively his worst game of the year. And, you know, Reggie has one good game and Mavericks fans are like, Oh, he's going to stay now. Now Tim's our bad guy after Tim had a couple bad games. I just wanted to uh, see what you think regarding Tim standing on this team. I'm not asking by any means for him to get shipped off, even though that's been a – because, I mean, that's been a topic of discussion for years now. I mean, that seems like something inevitable to an extent. Whenever that is something that happens, like, you know, you wouldn't be shocked, right? But what did you think about his poor play in this game after Mavericks fans started to become increasingly confident that he was starting to get back to his old self after the last couple games? Yeah, I mean, this is – truly the Tim Hardaway experience. Uh, I know it, it kind of seemed like Jason Kidd was sort of forcing him in a sense uh, in that fourth quarter. You know, he played some deep fourth quarter minutes. Uh, I, I say deep. He played up until like the five-minute mark. Um, but even still, you know, it kind of seemed like he was forced. You know, he wasn't having his best game, as you pointed out. He was 0 of 7. Managed to get three steals and three assists. Uh, but those three steals were basically virtue by like Clipper turnovers. I know he had one uh, where it seemed like Dorian and Luca, I think it was. Uh, I think they crowded. It may have been Marcus Morris or John Wall, um, but they sort of like crowded him on a double team. And then the ball was just there. And Tim Hardaway managed to pick it up and lead a fast break. Uh, and I think it may have led to Dorian three. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, like this was clearly, I think, as you pointed out, like the worst game we've seen from Tim Hardaway Jr. And I, I wouldn't argue that. Uh Again, I mean, not the best shooting night, but I, I think Tim learned in that fourth quarter that it's doing him worse shooting because it seemed like he was just chucking up shots in that first half. 
And uh, I think he played a little bit in that third quarter. And then he seemingly got checked into the fourth quarter, and it was already a really close game. The, I know the Clippers were up by, like, four points or six points at one point. Um, and it kind of seemed like, you know, Tim was just on the floor. Uh, Jason Kidd caught on to that, then he was subbed out. But nonetheless, you know, just really unimpressive minutes. I guess in terms of season progression, I feel like I would hope to see a little bit more consistency out of Tim because it seemed like he's only had, like, two, maybe three good games right now uh, throughout the season when we're 13 – 13 games into this. Um, and granted, you know, he didn't play all of it. You know, we're almost a year up on his injury, but still, like, I, I would like to see a little bit more of a, a level playing standard from him. And I just don't think we've seen that. Now, does that mean trade him away or is he the bad guy on this team? No, I mean, he's still getting into his own. We've seen some great Tim Hardaway games. Uh, but with that being said, you know, I'd, I'd like to see a little progression from Tim, and I just don't think we've seen that. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see what happens regarding his standing on the roster going forward. But nonetheless, it was a really bad Tim Hardaway Jr. game, and hopefully he can bounce back against the Rockets tonight. I think two big discussion points that I wanted to get into from this game that were very prevalent on Twitter was, of course, the <clears throat> female referee in terms of I'm not um, trying to gender profile her by any means. I'm just trying to merely identify who she was um, in terms of her. Um, she was the one who seemed to have some sort of vendetta against Luka Doncic where she missed a lot of pretty easy calls in terms of some fouls and some deflections and stuff out of bounds that, and just some late calls and overturns that, you know, were really questionable in this game. By no means am I saying that I could be a referee. It's a very hard job, and I definitely think that they do not get enough credit. And I'm not one to talk about the referees in terms of their effect on the game because, for the most part, it's fairly minimal, despite you know some preconceived notions that fans may have. But you know, this particularly stood out to me, so I did want to mention that in terms of there being some bad calls. I thought the Mavericks were not <clears throat> were definitely. Um, they definitely had to bear the effects of some bad refereeing at points today, which was unfortunate, but they were at least able to survive it. Uh, I mean, I got a question to kind of piggyback off that. To you, uh, what exactly is a transition take foul? Because I feel like we saw multiple times in that game where I feel like in the past it would have been a call. And then no, yeah. it, it's just it's super just un. Inconsistent. Uh, inconsistent yeah. yeah, no, that's a really good point. Uh, I didn't even think about that. There was a couple times where Luca tried to foul guys in transition, didn't get the call. Um, <clears throat> I think any time that you are able to make contact, that is, I don't know, egregious enough to hamper a fast break by the opposing player when they're you know, in rhythm and they're going fast down the court. I think that that warrants a transition take foul, but I don't have the definition of it Wait, and on a silver platter. So I couldn't tell you. It seemed like that's how the NBA sort of like, I guess, presented this new foul. And it just seemed like the, some referees have gone along with it and some just have just not called it at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a hard thing to instill. So hopefully it gets more consistent going forward, but yeah, that's a league wide problem. We've seen that throughout the league this year in terms of, that specific um, foul being largely inconsistent. Um, <clears throat> so we mentioned that. I do want to mention the Mavericks continued 
inability to put teams away, letting them creep back in the door. You know, I know this Clippers team is not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination, but second night of a back-to-back, missing Kawhi in this one, of course, who seems like he'll basically just never suit up in the regular season. He's played all of two games. I thought that I think a lot of the blame was shed towards Jason Kidd within that third quarter. And I mean, rightfully so to an extent, I thought he went away from a lot of what was working on offense. He basically just took the punches from Ty Lue because they started trapping Luca heavily within that third quarter. And Jason Kidd didn't really have any counters in terms of any, you know, intriguing offensive sets that they ran that, you know, there wasn't like a lot of cutting highlighted like there was in the first half. <clears throat> you didn't see as many guards setting screens for Luca. There were not as many down screens being set for Christian Wood to get the ball. Um, you didn't really see guys running off of screens to get open three-point looks. I mean, it just seemed like once the Clippers brought that late trap or double on Luca as they ended up flipping, you know, their strategy in terms of how they were guarding him. They're like, okay, now we got to make the other people beat us because Luca's playing so good in the first half. It seemed like he had effectively no answer for that. On top of that, you know, he rode with Reggie and Tim, who at that point in the game, especially, I mean, even Reggie was playing really bad in that game. And I think a lot of Mavs fans thought that Josh Green should have got some more run in that third quarter. And on top of that, um, you know, he – basically <clears throat> let a 20 point 20 plus point lead evaporate 25 point lead at that matter without really calling any timeouts for those first like nine to 10 minutes didn't really stop play just try to get the Mavericks roster to figure it out themselves and you know you can argue that there's some times where I mean yes you need to let the team try to figure it out themselves but Jason Kidd throughout large stretches in the season just does that far too often doesn't try to stop to reconcile things at all so what did you think of the Mavericks third quarter woes, you know, I'm not saying Jason Kidd's solely to blame. The Mavericks didn't play good as a whole. I thought Luca, you know, he very rarely actually does um, <clears throat> a bad job at this, but he had three turnovers tonight. And a lot of them came in that third quarter where when he faced a trap, he was just, it seemed, he seemed like really befuddled. He wasn't taking his time, you know, taking that drag dribble, making the right read. I mean, he did make the right read, but a lot of the passes were errant. So, I mean, I think, he definitely bore the effects of the Clippers' defensive pressure because they have so many wings. I think that may have been like when he took those doubles, it may have been a little more egregious than it usually is to him. So I think that that was part of the reason that the Mavericks didn't play as well, especially offensively, only scoring 15 points in that third quarter. But I think Jason Kidd also shares some of the blame. So what did you think of that whole sequence of events? Yeah, I mean, it just seems like the Mavericks – sort of have a consistent look, you know, they go, and I think a large part of these wins and losses, the Mavericks are up at halftime, whether it's two points or 25 points, you know, the Mavericks, they do an amazing job in that first half of finding a, a game plan and, you know, getting a rhythm. And then, you know, the team just enters halftime. I don't, I don't, I think it's a little mix of both where the team just sort of cools off in a sense. And in a, in a sense, I mean, it looks like they're just running a different game plan. Like to me, you know, teams in the locker room of course they're trying to figure out what the other team is doing but they're also trying to figure out what they're doing wrong uh it seems like the mavericks are too worried on themselves and they just completely change the game plan up and then it seemingly looks like in this this sense you know the clippers just jump on that and they 
finally got it going on offense, uh, something that they didn't have all first half. You know, they had to combine like 32 points in that first half. Um, but with that being said, you know, I, I think the Mavericks just need to be more consistent. Uh, and I think, you know, of course, that's easy to say, but uh, that's something that we haven't seen once at all this season. I think you can argue the every Memphis game besides game, but, every game besides the Memphis game has been a clutch time yeah, for the Mavericks. Exactly. Like a 12 out of the 13 games we have played. Now, granted, we have won, I guess, seven of those five, but still, like, uh, I mean, I want to say we've had like two overtime games, um, m- multiple where we've been up 20 plus points and the other team just comes rallying back. And it's, it's embarrassing. Uh, I, I, th- I do, I, I actually hold strong to this point where if the team can figure this out, I think that we might be one of the best teams in the league. Um, but there's just seemingly been like zero progression on that side of the things. No, 100%. And, I mean, it's something that they're going to have to address going forward. You can't afford to be playing heavy minutes for your starters every single night like this, regardless of how deep of a team you are. And the Mavericks aren't really that deep. So, I mean, this is a thing, something that needs to get fixed going forward. Um, before we, I guess, touch on some things in terms of the Clippers and, you know, and the podcast here, let's, let's look at uh, Christian Wood in this game because he's really the only guy that we haven't had a chance to cover I mean, also in terms of Dwight Powell in this game, it was very, <clears throat> I thought this was very eerily similar to that Portland game um, where Dwight Powell, you know, against that traditional big and Zubach, um, he's going to play drop coverage. Um, the Clippers are switch heavy. And when Dwight kind of got mirrored by those Zubach minutes, you know, it was, if he wasn't able to use his speed to counteract him in the pick and roll, um, when Zubach was dropping, it kind of just left Dwight, you know, kind of wandering aimlessly in the dunker spot while either Luca or Spencer went to work. So it just wasn't really a matchup wise, like a, a big Dwight Powell game. And then when they were playing small, you know, I thought Batum is almost as tall as Dwight Powell. And he was able to, I think, play a really good job on him. <clears throat> and especially defensively, you know, we'll get to this when we cover the Clippers here in a second, but Nicholas Batum in this one had 20, 22 points, seven of seven from the three-point line. Did not miss one three-pointer. He missed that uh, late free throw that he was trying to miss. But, you know, besides that, he – I mean, he proved as to why even at his age, he's still one of the best 3 and D players in the league. And in those non-Zubach minutes, he was effectively playing as the five in these Clipper small ball lineups. And when C. Wood or Dwight Powell had to switch on to him way out there – I mean, they just had very lackluster closeouts on him. I mean, I know Batum's a really good shooter. He made some tough shots tonight as well. But he, he was either a preemptive closeout and a sidestep three by him, or they just sagged off of him enough to where he was able to shoot right over the top of them. So I thought the Mavericks bigs need to do a better job in addressing that because C. Wood and both Dwight Powell are, you know, fairly mobile, more agile bigs. We already have succumbed to the fact that when they're playing against some of these bigger guys, that they're going to get beat and they're going to get bodied at times. But you know, when they're when they have the assignment of being able to have to just guard, you know, a three and D guy who, you know, doesn't really even attack off closeoffs closeouts much. You know, Batum's not even he's he's fairly one dimensional in his game to an extent. Um, he's really just going to spot up go around screens and stuff. You know, I know it's easier said than done, but I think both of the Mavericks bigs got to do a better job of that in terms of just staying active on that side a little more because it's not like they 
have a severe lack of foot speed compared to Nick Batum. But nonetheless, you know, that's what we got from Powell tonight. He played 22 minutes. We saw the Mavericks run with, you know, a lot more <clears throat> Christian Wood or um, in spurts of this game really until the end of the fourth quarter where Christian Wood didn't play. I mean, it was interesting. He had, he was having a pretty good game in terms of um, field goal shooting. But, you know, I, like I said, Christian Wood had four turnovers in this game. And he definitely, and his defensive, you know, being a defensive liability definitely hampered him to play into the fourth quarter. Jason Kidd said pregame that he was going to get more minutes at some point um, going forward, and that he, which is good, that we love to see that. But, you know, I, I can understand given the game that he was having why they didn't ride with him in the last few minutes. But nonetheless, what, you know, we already talked about how he fared in that first half when he got mismatches. We didn't really see the pick and roll as prevalent in this game. Um, with him and Luca by any means, but I, I didn't think he played a terrible game. You know, I just didn't think he had a ton of minutes, but he had 15 points, seven rebounds in 24 minutes. What did you think of his game tonight? Yeah, I mean, he played, honestly, a really good game. Uh, I want to say in that first half, he may have had all 15 of his points or fifteen of or 14 of 15 of his points. Um, it, it, this is kind of the thing that we're seeing out of Christian Wood. I don't think it's anything that's going to stick around. I think the minute he gets more minutes – uh, and get some more PT within that fourth quarter, we're going to see this sort of change. But it seems like Christian Wood has just been sort of this first-half guy, and I don't think it's his fault. I think it's more coaching-related and more, uh, like, just, uh, I guess, like, what kind of rotations you're throwing out there. Um, but Christian Wood, you know, another one of his amazing first-half performances where he puts up, uh, again, I, I don't remember if it was 14 or 15 points, um, but he put up, you know, most of his stat line in that first half. He went 6 of 8 from the field. And a good three-point shooting night, two of two from the three-point line. Um, but, yeah, you know, defensively, I think it was where his lapses were. I think that's sort of what we kind of, you know, got lucky with in some of these games where he's had really, really good defensive games. And tonight just – or I guess last night, again, uh, just wasn't really provocative or product – whatever. It, it just wasn't really – Productive. Yeah, there you go. It wasn't really productive. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I, I still think, you know, he, got, he had some key rebounds – uh, in the third quarter, that kind of kept the Mavs in it, in a sense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, other than that, you know, Christian Wood with another amazing first-half performance, and it, it seemed like he just got – I don't even want to say played out of the rotation. He just wasn't even thrown out there in that second half. Yeah, in that fourth quarter, because he played a lot, you know, at the end of the third and those beginning of the fourth minutes that he typically gets when Luke is out. But, you know, I definitely concur with you from that standpoint. I mean, but that really wraps it out from the Mavericks' side. Um, I would kind of, like I said, define this as just another one of those games where, you know, not a definitive statement win by the Mavericks by any stretch of the imagination, but you take surviving at this point in the season, just given the nature of the league. So I'm happy that they won this game. Um, looking at the Clippers side of things, you know, we already talked about how good Nick Batum played tonight. Zubach was essentially a non-factor with Luca's ability, you know, especially when Luca was really giving him trouble, yet Ty Lue continues to just let him get switched on to Luca. I, mean, I guess there's not, you know, a terrible amount you can do about it with the, um, how much the Mavericks tried to continue to involve Zubach in pick and roll actions and get him switched on. But, you know, once they started uh, putting Paul George on Luca a little more, I thought that that started to hamper him at times. Uh, I thought Paul George played a pretty good game. He wasn't really as assertive as I would have expected. You know, second out of a back-to-back -back had 23 points, 
41 minutes from him. He didn't really get the primary defensive assignment on Luca. They kind of deferred and let Marcus Morris or, you know, Rocco or Batum or Norm Powell play on Luca most of the time. They kind of, uh, Terrence Mann, even Amir Coffey, they threw a ton of wings at Luca in this game. But once the going got rough, they put Paul George on him. And I thought he produced pretty well. Marcus Morris did a really good job getting into his spots in this game. Here's yet another guy that I thought the Mavericks didn't really play good defense on tonight. Um, not from this, you know, he makes some tough contested midway, uh, mid-range fadeaways. But at the same time, I didn't think the Mavericks did a good job of letting him get to his spots. He was able to get by, you know, the first layer of defense fairly easily, whether that be Reggie or Spencer Dinwiddie. And, you know, then he basically had a, you know, once he makes a post fadeaway at that point, you know, you kind of live and die by that. It's just, you kind of just, you're either lucky with how he's shooting that game or you're not, but 18 points from him in this game. And I thought the Mavericks could have done a better job in terms of their perimeter defense on him, not letting him get to that elbow area where he can really thrive. Reggie Jackson didn't really have a big game by any means in this game. He, They kind of let John Wall do most of the work for them from a secondary playmaking perspective in this one. Um, Luke Kennard, he only played literally like the first three minutes of the game. I think he got hurt by some point in those first three minutes and didn't return. Hopefully he's okay. I can't really recall exactly what it was. Robert Covington played very sparingly in this game. I mean, they're, they're so deep that they can afford to have a guy like Robert Covington play five minutes. Um, this Clippers team definitely has a lot to figure out. Like I said, I tweeted this. They're the fakest deep team in the NBA, in my opinion, from like having all this you know depth on paper, but it's just not gelling on the court. But you know, once they figure it out, I think they'll be scary. I, I think people are writing them off a little bit too early, but that's just my opinion. John Wall came off at the bench in, 23, in 26 minutes, had 17 points. Um, he was able to get his jump shot going to an extent and played really well. I thought he gave the Mavericks some issues in transition. You know, the Mavericks had a decent game plan for him. It's not like he was just the John Wall of old and everything. And I thought the Mavericks, you know, you know, I, I thought John Wall, especially there were some possessions where I thought I think he got ahead of himself in terms of how good he thought he was able to handle the ball, hence his three turnovers. I mean, he just kind of dribbled it off his foot sometimes. Um, I thought the Mavericks sagged off of him and it played to their <clears throat> benefit at times when he airballed a three at one point, missed some mid-range jump shots, but he made a few shots. Not a complete albatross of a game by him by any means, but, you know, he, he gave the Mavericks trouble, but at the same time, like, you know, he didn't, he could have definitely played a lot better. So that was, that was good. Norman Powell, he had a really bad shooting night. You know, I thought he played fairly decent defense. Terrence Mann didn't play a lot in this one, which is surprising. He's notoriously been, you know, a guy that they put on Luca a lot, who's able to kind of get in his head to an extent, you know, even though I think Luca definitely gets the better of him. Amir Coffey didn't play too much. I mean, this Clippers team, you know, given they were on a second night of a back-to-back, -back, they looked pretty flat. And I think that there is a pretty big argument to be made that if they were a little more fresh and synchronized that they could have blown this Mavericks team out of the water, the way the Mavericks were shooting and playing defense at times tonight. But, you know, you take your luck where you can. Do you have any other thoughts? Yeah. I mean, for a team that looks basically non-existent in that first half, I know you had texted me that the Clippers just straight up suck. And then pretty much as soon as you texted that, or as soon as I opened it, they just sort of went on their 33 point third quarter run. Um, and I thought that was pretty funny, but, 
Yeah, I mean, like, it just kind of seems like this team, like you mentioned, like this team just doesn't mesh well um, all together. But they have, like, these spurts. Uh, and it seems like they have, like, this season, and that's kind of due to their eight wins. Um, but they just have, like, these spurts where they just come out and, you know, they're playing electric. Uh, and that was really the whole entire second half. The Mavericks got lucky on a few late late game possessions, and that's really why we won it at the end of the day. Um, but, yeah, with that being said, I mean, I just feel like the Clippers just weren't really attentive in that first half. Now, with that being said, if they were, I think that this would be a total blowout. Um, but yeah, in a sense, I think the Mavericks got lucky in, a, in that late fourth quarter. Um, but, yeah, you know, I just got to hope Luke Kennard's okay. Uh, John Wall, I think that this was really one of his first games in a sense, I'll, I'll put quotations around it where he's back. Um, but, you know, he looked really good. He looked quick. Uh, again, he had some ball handling woes. Um, I know uh, Falwell had a really good stat where he's only played 51 games since 2018 before the season. Uh, and I think that's just really mind-blowing that the fact that he's here and he's playing 26 minutes a night um, and also getting 17 points. He's coming back in a big way. Um but yeah, like with that being said, I, I think the Clippers overall came back in a big sense. I just think that their first quarter or their first half, I should say, just wasn't there. No, completely 100%. We just got word, um, it came from Mavs PR, that Luka Doncic, um, in quotations, rest, will miss tonight's game as we expected. So live live reporting here. Live reporting from us on the podcast. So that uh, that's, of course, as expected. I'm intrigued to see maybe if Spencer gets a rest. After um, playing 41 minutes last night, but, you know, the Mavericks can't be too resty, I guess, with some of their players, given that, you know, their track record against some of these teams and especially these bad teams, they where they completely just, you know, for lack of a better term, shit the bed. So anyways, um, with that being said, I'm looking forward to the Rockets game tonight. Uh, I'm looking forward to see, you know, some of these younger guys play. I mean, I don't really know the stats of the G League guys, but it would be a great time to see some Jaden Hardy, McKinley Wright, Tyler Dorsey minutes in this to fill that, you know, void where Luke is going to be out. I mean, it's literally just going to be Spencer playmaking. I'm sure Josh is going to get some more run tonight. Maybe we see him handle some possessions as the playmaker, but it'll be really fun to watch. But without further ado, I, um, we'll be back after tonight's podcast. Um, we had some issues come up in terms of, uh, you know, some school things that were prevalent today. So, we weren't able to record last night, but tonight we will be recording um, right after the, or at least during the night. So the, the podcast will be up tomorrow morning for you guys after this Rockets game tonight. Um, but with that being said, make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore math, subscribe to us on Apple podcasts or Spotify or whatever you're listening. We are on most podcast platforms. Give us a five-star rating if your podcast platform allows you to. And with that being said, we will catch you guys after tonight's game. Bye-bye.